Hello, and welcome to What the Fintech podcast by Fintech Futures. I'm Heather Sugg, and I'm joined here with Scott Lenore from Evolve Bank, and welcome, Scott. Thank you, thanks for having me. It's great to have you on. So what some of your listeners can't tell right now is that Scott and I are in the money pot. At We're at Money 2020 USA and surrounded by a live audience. So thank all of you for joining us here live. Yep, it's gonna be fun. It will be, we have a lot to cover. We're going to be talking about regulatory modernization and what that means for banks, what it means for fintechs, uh, how the two need to work together and work with regulators to create a safer, better banking environment for everybody. Right. Before we dive into all of that, there are a few other things I'd like to do. Let's start with introductions. Okay. So Scott, you've got a nice storied career with Evolve. Why don't you tell us about that and how you've led Evolve into the transition of the Bass Bank that you are now? Yeah, so I started Evolve about 18 years ago. We were a traditional bank based in Memphis. Uh, we have traditional banking, mortgage, SBA. Then we started our open banking division, which is a lot of the fintechs that we do business with about seven years ago but it's probably been our fastest growing business of all of our divisions. What inspired you to make the shift into Bass though? Well, it's funny, you know, I have three children. They're all college age kids now, but several years ago, I was watching them how they interacted with banking. And uh, they kept telling me, hey, Venmo's a great bank. And I go, well, Venmo's not a bank. And it's, it's, that's not what it is. But I watched how they interacted with that digital experience. And so I just thought about what would banking look like in the future, um, again, we don't go to bank branches anymore. A lot of stuff is done digitally. And so they were really kind of my inspiration of watching how young people and, and consumers were dealing with things. And I, and I always say this is, I think people are more app driven than they are bank driven. So the FinTechs have really done a good job with the UI, the UX, creating a great user experience, where traditionally banks probably have not done a very good job of doing that. And so I think the FinTechs have fitted into that space. And that's where I think you've seen the explosion in the FinTech. Uh, we absolutely have. Yep. Next up, there has been some breaking news recently about Evolve and a lot going on in the news circuits. Let me hand over the mic to you and let you explain what's going on from your perspective. Yeah, let me first just back up and say, from a strategy standpoint, about 18 months ago, we really tried to make an effort working more directly with fintech partnerships and not so much with intermediaries or the third parties. It doesn't mean that we won't continue to work with those third parties. It just will be in a different way. And so that's from a strategy standpoint, it's been a lot of our focus here over the last 18 months. But to be answering your question specifically, I think there's been a, several inaccuracies reporting around our reconciliation process. And obviously we're bounded by confidentiality agreements, but I will say that we use standard industry practices, always looking to improve. There's nothing more important to us than the end users, our consumers protecting their funds and what that looks like. We also make sure that our clients have the right data to do the work they need to do, right data, the right files. And then I think lastly, I would say that there was some reporting that we didn't give some of our partners or customers enough time to move off of our platform. And, and that's just not true. I think we did a good job of communicating with clients when you needed to be off and gave them probably more than a year to do that. So again, I think it's important for us to make sure that we take care of our platforms, our end users it's most important to to have open communication during these things. So I appreciate Absolutely. you yep. addressing the subject. Yep. Let's get in deep to the regulatory modernization. Okay. We were talking about how important this is uh, here at Money 2020. If three years ago, four years ago, everybody was on the rage about all these pressing things that were coming out, the latest and greatest cutting edge, and we were all into cryptos. Now the scene, the CFPB has used this as a launch pad for some of their big announcements two years in a row. 
we're seeing that fintechs need to be embracing regulatory modernization in order to move forward successfully. And you are taking a big stance on that too. So let's start off with defining the subject. Regulatory modernization from your perspective, what is that? Right, so I saw an interesting stat just recently, which really surprised me that more than half of checking accounts open in the last 12 months were done through a digital partner. Now think about that, right? They're not walking into a bank branch, they're doing it through some sort of digital app. And so when you take that and think about that and how consumers interact today with their app, then you have to kind of balance that out with where's the regulatory framework around that piece of it. So we think about that a lot. What's interesting is consumers get tremendous access faster to their money, to their funds. They get faster access to credit. And those are all good things. But how do you balance that between the digital side versus the regulatory piece? And so I think there has to be conversation around how do we work with the digital platforms and make sure we maintain the regulatory balance that we need. We definitely need regulatory framework to protect the consumers, protect the end users. So there's just needs to be a lot of conversation around that. And, and that's starting to happen, quite frankly. Part of that conversation is happening through consortiums and the fintechs are getting together, the banks are getting together and everyone's starting to pull in the same direction so they can help one another uh, be more aware of what's necessary and support one another with the technology you need for some of these regulatory modernization efforts. Part of what you've done in that effort is to join the American Fintech Council. Right. Why don't you tell everyone a little more about what that is? A gentleman named Phil Gelfeller is the CRC founder of the American FinTech Council, and just recently we joined it along with probably about 20 or 30 other banks that are in the Basque space. We thought it was important, it's a good balance between banks and FinTechs, because both those groups need to work together. There's definitely a partnership there between the banks and FinTechs. And so what I like about it is we're working hard to make our FinTech partners successful, but at the same time our FinTech partners need to work hard to make the banks successful. And so having that dialogue with these partners, these, the digital platforms and the banks, and having some open discussion. The American FinTech Council does a great job of lobbying, talking to regulators, and there's a lot of working groups that are going on in there to help with the regulatory modernization. We're, we're gathering data about the number of accounts that we have, the clients that we have, the number of cards that we issue as a group, and trying to work with regulators and legislation to get the conversation going on about regulatory modernization. So it's just getting started from the banking side, but I think Phil and the rest of the team will do a great job with it. It's important to have everyone pulling in the same direction and making this distinct effort there. In addition to the American FinTech Council, I understand that you also spent a lot of time on the road meeting with these FinTechs, so. I do, I love being with our clients because the great thing is I just see so many interesting things that they do. The services, the solutions they provide. We, we love some niche banking very use case specific. There's great things going on in the agricultural space. There's great things going on in the small business space. And with COVID, you didn't get to do a lot of that. So we, we love going to see our clients. We talk to them about what they're doing. What are they struggling with? What do they need help with? Where can we help them? I think the other part of that conversation is their business is evolving and growing. They're wanting to add new use cases, new services, new solutions. And we've had great success with our clients in terms of helping them add new solutions to their use cases. So that interaction has been fun. It's great being back on the road. It's a little tiresome sometimes, as you know, but at the same time, we're really working hard to make our clients successful because they really have some great, interesting use cases that they're doing. What are you hearing from the FinTechs that they need most from a regulatory perspective? 
They're under a lot of pressure as well, right? CFPB, FTC, whatever that, you know, whatever regulatory body that oversees them. I think they they really need help in the compliance BSA part. I think transaction monitoring is another piece of that. How can we give them the right tools? How can we help them look out for fraud? A lot of clients struggle with Red E, which is the the chargeback and the card chargeback, and so we try to help them with that piece of it as well. So again, our intention is help them be successful and. I think those are some of the things that we think about and, and what they look for. And with the support of a bank like Evolve behind them, they can have easier access and branch out. And you're actually opening the doors for a lot more, like you said, niche banking solutions to right. be available. Tell us, because you're passionate about it, what are the benefits of having more niche solutions in the environment? Well, I think if you're a fintech, trying to just be so general is hard to, to run your business that way, right? Just, we're going to go do X. I think you need to be very specific about what segment of the market you're going after. And that's the reason I mentioned we have a great client that's in the agricultural space, working with farmers and working with uh, co-ops. That's very interesting to us. We have some clients that do early wage advance. You made $1,000 as a, as a consumer, and you want access to your funds because you can't wait two weeks to get your paycheck. Can I get $500 or $700 because I've hit a road bump? And so I think these clients are creating some very interesting niches and addressing specific things in the market that they see. And look, that's great for consumers. That's great for businesses, right? And so, again, quicker access, more access to tools. And that's what a lot of these fintechs bring to the table. It's very exciting out there. And access is what it's all about right now and the regulatory stance as well. Right. And again, I think you have to balance that between what the regulators require and need, right? They, they have a certain framework, certain guidelines, and that's where this conversation needs to happen with regulators of, hey, more things are happening digitally, more access, faster access to money, and how do you balance that with the regulatory piece and keeping everybody together on that? As I said, it's a little bit of a healthy tension, which is probably not a bad thing, but Regulations take a long time to change, and, that, and, that's, and that's part of the work we're doing with the American FinTech Council, is at least having the conversations, letting folks understand what are the FinTechs struggling with, what are regulators struggling with, and how can we help balance all of that? And that's, that's some of the challenge. Healthy tension is appropriate. If you're not a little bit uncomfortable, we're not growing and improving. Exactly, but at the same time, regulators don't like some of that healthy tension because here's the way that we do it, which is fine. But again, if you take a step back, Again, the access to the services, the quicker access to capital, all those things are a good thing. But again, we got to protect the consumer. And how do you balance all that out? At least we're having the dialogue, right? That's the good part, right? Is we're having those conversations. And as a group, we're going to the regulators and saying, this is what we're seeing. What are you seeing? And how do we work together with that? And I think that's completely appropriate. Absolutely. So where do you see a need and improvement? What do regulations need to sharpen in the next three to five years? What do they need to sharpen? I think there's a lot around reggae. There's a lot of fraud in the system. How can we work on that fraud? Or how can we lessen the fraud that's in the system? Again, reggae is a big one, I would say. I think people know how, consumers know how to game that system a little bit. And that's, that's got a lot to look at. Complaints is, is another big one, right? Today, you don't typically walk into a branch to complain. Because you're on a digital app, it's easy to push the complain button. And so, you're seeing complaints go up quite a bit, but again, it's because of this digital world and the number of accounts that are being opened in the digital space. And there's some, a lot of work that the banks are doing together to think about the whole complaint process and what that looks like. But again, having that conversation with regulators, we want to hear the complaints, but at the same time, there's a little bit of balance in there. 
You're right. That part's hard because people are much quicker to complain to an empty screen than they would be in person or say. Exactly. And you're seeing those numbers go up and sometimes they're not complaints. Sometimes they really are. But our fintechs are working hard to deal with consumers about that, work with them. And so that's an area they need help on a little bit in terms of that complaint process and what that looks like. And so we do a lot of work trying to help them with the complaint side. But you're right. It's easier to complain to an empty screen than to a teller. Fair enough. As someone that has helped a lot of fintechs start their career, what would you say to a fintech that's just entering the field with a gem of an idea, all full of potential, and needs to get started? Well, I'm assuming they have a good idea, so we'll put that off to the side. I think they have to balance out the technology with the right infrastructure from a compliance PSA standpoint. Do they have the right tools? And part of what we do, we call our fintech success program, is work with them at the beginning and say, what are you doing about KYC? What are you doing about PSA? What are you doing about transaction monitoring? We really want to help them. If they don't have certain tools, we'll help them either match them up with one of our partners or we'll try to do that for them. So I think part of it is you got to have the right compliance staff, but at the same time, they're trying to grow their business. And so are they going to spend money on compliance? They're going to spend money on technology. And that's where they, the fintechs kind of work to figure all of that out. And that's where, so I'd say one, I think number two is you've got to communicate with your banking partner, potential partner. What are you trying to do? What's your use case? How are you going to solve your problem? What are you doing about, again, compliance and, and all the things that go with that? And so be upfront with your bank partner and interview multiple banks. I, I think a lot of times they'll get locked in on one particular bank. It may not be a good fit for them. A lot of banks have certain niches that they do business in. So I think for them to pick in the right bank partner is important as well. Absolutely. That makes sense. Let me flip that question. I know a lot of if you survey bankers, the majority of them are going to say they're at least looking at becoming a Bass Bank. Right. There's a lot that comes along with that. How would you respond? What advice would you give someone that's looking into the potential? So I probably talk to a bank at least once a week that asks me, what are you thinking about? And on the digital side, I think there's two flavors, right? There is working with the fintech partners, but also is the bank trying to develop their own digital footprint as well. So I'll put that one to the side and just say, if you're looking to work with Bass Partners, Number one, what does your onboarding process look like? What does your transaction monitoring look like? How are you going to oversee the partners that you're doing business with? I think that's part of it. I think you have to be willing to spend quite a bit of money in technology. We're all tied to, all banks are probably tied to two or three cores out there. And so how do we interact with that core? How does our FinTech interact with that core? What are you going to do about complaints? What are you going to do about customer service? It's a big effort to get in this in the business. And that's part of really what the FinTech Council is doing too. A lot of my peers, we're working with banks and helping them understand the landscape. We want them to be successful, but it's a big commitment, both from the board level, the management level, capital level. It's expensive to get in in the space, especially now with all the regulatory oversight. Especially now. So you've got the banks that want to join Bass because they want to be involved in that space and join the wave of momentum that's happening. And then you still have the bankers that are viewing B2C fintechs as competition, that they're stealing their market share, that they're stealing their wallet share. What is your response to that? Well, I said earlier, 50% of accounts are being open to a digital platform. So right. that that's it's here. You, you need to figure out how to deal with that, right? And so... I can't fix that problem, but I can fix how I'm going to adapt to it, right? And so that's, again, the reason I, I saw, when I saw my kids working in these apps, I'm like, we better think about how banking is changing. So I think that train's left the station. Now it's a matter of what part do you want to play in it and who do you want to partner with? And again, I think picking your partners, both from the fintech side as well as the bank side, 
is extremely important because partnerships are easy to get into, but sometimes they're hard to get out of. How do you vet a good partner? Well, again, I think you sit down and say, tell us your use case, tell us your staff. We look at stuff like capital. How much capital do you have? Can you be in business for the long term? We do look at use case, right? Because if you're just a general use case, I'm not sure how successful you'd be versus being something targeted. We look at what tools you're using, how you're gonna handle the customer. We look at your technology. We do a whole vetting process at the beginning when we're trying to bring on a new partner. There's a lot that we say no to and few that we say yes to. And then I would say on an ongoing basis, at least probably once every six months, we visit with our partners, how are you doing on this? How are you doing on that? And we'll re-review our clients constantly, getting updated financials, all the things that go with that. So it's not just the initial uh, onboarding, it's definitely an, an ongoing process for sure. Mm-hmm. I agreed, it's got to be done um, thoroughly and there's a lot out there to check for. So with all that you're all that you're coming in, I'm sure you're seeing a lot of fintechs come to your door that you're having a lot that you have to address and selectively pick those. What will we see next for Evolve? Well, I think what we're doing, we're spending a lot of time with our existing clients working on what we call solutions. Solutions for us is ACH or real-time payments or card issuance. I think we're spending a lot of time with our clients going, what's another payment rail that you need access to? FedNow will be something that we're working on international wire transactions, something that we're going to work on. So we're trying to find new solutions to satisfy our clients' different use cases. They all use our, our solutions a little differently, which is fine, but we're spending a lot of time with our existing clients, adding new features, adding new payment rails. Maybe they've had a debit card for a long time, now they want to add a credit card, so we'll help them with the credit card. Uh, maybe they want to add rewards to that card, and we'll help them with the rewards piece. And so, again, it's just spending a lot of time. I think for new clients, it's a little different because I don't know that we see as many new clients coming through the pipeline just because private equity and venture capital funds have, have, have slowed up a little bit. So we're not seeing as much innovation in terms of new clients coming on board. I think that will change hopefully in the next year or so. So it's really just working with existing clients, improving their process, adding new solutions. And for the fintechs we're going to see coming, I think they need to be quicker to prove their real use case in ROI. It can't be this great idea that VCs will float because it sounds neat. You can help with that. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, I don't think that money's going to last forever right now, right? Mm -hmm. I think before in the the fintech world, you, you could go out and raise new capital and keep going. That's obviously changed in the last 18 months. And so that's the reason I think the vetting process in new clients is really important. Do they have the sustainability? And do they have a niche use case that's very interesting, that solves a specific problem. And I think you'll be more successful doing that than you would be just going, hey, we're gonna open up checking accounts. I don't know that that's gonna be a, a good strategy. Mm-hmm. Leaning into the niche and making sure that we're solving the customer pain point and the customer in return has everything they need for their unique lifestyles and it's a better fit, easier access, better fit for them and more open banking overall. Yeah, and they're gonna add new tools, right? These FinTechs do a great job of adding tools, helping you with budgeting or helping you with whatever that issue might be. They've created some great user experience. I think that's where, again, the FinTechs have really thrived is in the UI, UX, the customer experience. More so, I think banks have not done historically, again, not done historically a good job with that piece. Well, Scott, we appreciate what you're doing at Evolve and sharing with us from both a bank and a fintech perspective. Is there anything else you wanted to add? No, I I enjoy being here. This is a great event. It's a great networking event. And so it's been great seeing customers, great seeing partners. It's been a lot of fun and, and it's been a great time so far. Absolutely. 
Well, thanks, everyone. It's been another good episode of What the Fintech by Fintech Futures, and we'll be signing off. Thank you.